go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a daily power parsha. It's great to have you guys here. All right, today is Thursday, December 9, 2021, and we are in middle of Torah portion of Aigash. The great drama of Joseph is kind of coming to its uh, conclusion, kind of um, ended, ended the drama a bit with um, Joseph's revelation that he is the viceroy of Egypt. That's the big reveal. The brothers had no idea that they were speaking, negotiating, fighting with the, the with, with their own brother. And he, he dropped the reveal on them. And then he invited them. They told him he has no hard feelings. He invites them down to move to Egypt because the, the famine is still going on. And we read yesterday how the, the entire family moves. And we even enumerated all 70 members of Jacob's family. Very small beginnings, very small origins, 70 strong. And, uh, and that ultimately gives rise to the numerous, relatively numerous Jewish people. All right, I'm going to share my screen. We're going to actually explore today, although it's Thursday, which is reading five. We're going to explore reading number six so that tomorrow we can do seven plus Haftarah. So we're going to be a little bit ahead of our time so that we're, uh, we're prepped for tomorrow. So again, Torah reading for Vayigash. Genesis chapter 46, this is the big move. So the Torah begins, the Torah reading begins by telling us about what Jacob, the father, the patriarch of the family, what Jacob does. Jacob sent Judah, Yehuda, the same, the same son who had taken responsibility for Benjamin and you know spoke very sternly to Joseph at the beginning of this week's Torah portion, the same Judah who was the leader, the strong guy, the guy who got things done, Jacob, the father, sends Judah, one of his 12 sons, ahead of him to Joseph to direct him to Goshen, and they came to the land of Goshen. Goshen was the land in Egypt, the, the city, the district, the townlet, whatever you want to call it, the county. Um, Goshen was the place where the Jewish people, the, the family of Jacob, were going to live. Joseph had said, I got a good place for you guys. It's called Goshen, and we'll set you up over there. So before the family moves down, uh, Judah is sent ahead to prep the way. Rashi pulls out an incredible idea. Rashi says, Lahorot Lefanov, as the Targum renders, to clear a place for him and to show him how to settle in it. He sends, Jacob sends Judah, Jacob sends his son Judah ahead to, you know, to scout it out, to check it out, and to help settle, integrate into the new place. However, Rashi is about to drop a new idea on us, as we'll see in a moment. Ahead of him means before he would arrive there. However, the Midrashic interpretation of Lahorot is that there should be teaching, which means that he sent Judah to establish for him a house of study, a Beit Talmud, a house of study from which teaching would emanate, and that comes from the Midrash Tanchuma. So let me explain what, what Rashi is saying, quoting from the Midrash. Why is it that Jacob sends his son Judah ahead of the family to Goshen to, to get things ready, not just physically to make sure everybody has a house, everybody has food, everybody is comfortable to roll out the red carpet, as it were? No. It's to set up a yeshiva, 
to set up a place of Torah study. Because Jacob knows that the very survival of his family, the very survival of this newfangled thing called Judaism, it's absolutely 100% um, dependent on, it's 100% dependent on Torah without plugging in to Judaism, to Jewish wisdom, to Jewish, without plugging into Torah, might as well just give up, might as well just close up, close up shop. If we're going to have a Jewish family in Egypt, the first thing we have to have is a yeshiva, a school, a place to study. It's powerful, powerful idea. What makes a Jewish community a community? Having a place to study Torah. We happen to have here in Atlanta, this wonderful community that we share called In-Town Jewish Academy, which is also virtual as we're connecting right now, not only limited to the geographical borders of, of Atlanta, but we see here the importance of having a place to study. That's the core of, of, of B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people. It's a place to study. It's the first thing that, that, that Jacob um, is concerned about. We're moving to Egypt we got to first establish a yeshiva. And the yeshiva is not, yeshiva means a place of study. A yeshiva is not something that comes after the fact. Once everyone's there, a few years later, let's think about opening up a school. No, the school, the yeshiva is the first thing that's set up. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Ray, jump in. Um, isn't the mikvah the first thing that is usually? Yes, the mikvah is very important. It says that you actually sell a Torah scroll to be able to purchase it, to, to, to build, acquire, whatever it is, to create a mikvah. So yes, a mikvah is essentially important. They had the Nile River, though. They didn't need to build a mikvah, right? I guess they, uh, they would have, uh, you know, used that for, or something. Right. Um, but after that, you got to have a place to study Torah. That, that's what keeps us together. That's, that's what Judaism is, what the Jewish people are. It's, it, it, what is Judaism or Jewish people, if not for Torah, that's at the core of our people. Let's continue. And Joseph harnessed his rabbi. Chair. Rabbi, excuse me. Sure. Rabbi. Rabbi. Yeah, I'm with you. I can hear you. Um, okay. Was it act? Did they actually call themselves Jewish and that they were practicing Judaism at the time? I don't know what label they used, but they were what we would call Jewish. They were of that persuasion that we still are. Yep, right? yeah. and whatever they were, we still are, and we call ourselves Jews and we call this Judaism. <laughs> so, by extension, going back, you know, might as well. Now, did they use those terms? No, because the term Jew comes from the word Judah, right, which we're, who we're talking about today. So I doubt that they would have named the whole shebang after this one guy, even though he plays a very critical role, as you'll see, as, as we see here, and as we see throughout history, the tribe of Judah is, is epic. But nonetheless, I, I, you wouldn't have the same terminology, but semantics aside, it's the same thing. Gotcha. All right, so now, by the way, speaking of which, speaking of Judaism, and speaking of Torah, we have an opportunity tonight to engage and encounter Jewish books on today, the fifth of Teves, which is celebration of Jewish Book Day. And uh, everyone's invited. 7 p.m. cocktail reception. I'm going to do a multimedia presentation on the history of the Jewish printing press and notable books throughout history, plus an opportunity to purchase, to view, browse, and purchase over 100 incredible titles, Jewish titles. 
Okay, these are not just Jewish books. These are books of Torah, Torah books. Let's jump in to verse 29. And Joseph harnessed his chariot, and he went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen. So he meets him kind of along the way a little bit, and he appeared to him, and he fell on his neck, and he wept on his neck for a long time. This incredible encounter after so many years, 22 years of separation, finally, after all this time, they, they, they meet each other, and they cry, and the Torah says that he, Joseph, the son, fell on his neck, on the neck of, of, of his father, and he wept on his neck for a long time. It's only one way. Why isn't it the other way? Well, Rashi points out something very interesting. Um, first of all, Rashi, the first Rashi, Joseph harnesses chariot. He personally harnessed the horses, the chariot to hasten to honor his father. He personally was involved in that prep. Um, he appeared to him. He presented himself to his father. Here we go. He wept on his neck for a long time. So Rashi says this is an expression of profuse weeping. And likewise, for he will not place additional guilt on, on a man, an expression of profusion. Okay. God does not place upon him. Uh, okay. I want to skip the reference. Here too, he wept greatly and continuously more than was usual, as if there's something usual about crying. But Joseph was, after 22 years, just sobbing and could not stop. He was just a profuse Tears were flowing in this uh, final, and finally with this with this encounter with this reunion. You can imagine twenty two years after thinking your son, not your son, but he, him thinking his son was dead, his son was gone, his son was missing. Finally being reunited and seeing him, you know, he's thirty nine years old, successful. Just uh, you know, you can feel the emotion. Our, how, Jacob, however, Rashi says, neither felt on night. Neither fell on Joseph's neck nor kissed him. There's only one way. Why? Our sages said that he was reciting the Shema. He happened to be, or as we'll see, maybe not so happened. To, he was reciting the Shema at that moment. And because of that, he didn't want to interrupt his Shema. So his son hugged and kissed him and wept on, it, on his shoulder. But he was a little bit more stoic as he was reciting the Shema. Why was he reciting the Shema at that time? So the Rebbe says, because he was filled with incredible love for his son. And he wanted to channel the love, the, the human love, to, into a spiritual love, a love for God. In the Shema, in the first paragraph of the Shema, we say, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And loving God means loving God. And it's sometimes hard to love God because who are we loving exactly? What are we loving? I don't see God. Like it's it's a little bit difficult, a little bit abstract. Jacob was channeling his physical, practical, very tangible love that he had at that moment for his son into a spiritual place. If I have this love for my son, let me also feel a love for God in this moment of celebration. He was he was expressing his joy and his love in a spiritual way. And so at that moment, he was saying the Shema. And he wasn't able to interrupt that. And I'm sure later he hugged him and later he kissed him and later he cried, he cried. But in that first encounter, he was saying the Shema, a beautiful lesson about 
being real in our relationship with God. Our relationship with God shouldn't be theoretical. Theoretically, I love God. Theoretically, I believe in God. Theoretically, I do things for God. It should be a real, rich experience. And that is born of work. It takes work. And part of the work here we're seeing is that when you're inspired, when you're in a good mood, give some of that to God. Share some of that with God. All right, Ray, jump in. Um, I read last night in Chabad.org um, that someone named Sarah, the yes. daughter of Asher, told, told Jacob that Joseph was alive. Is yes. that, is that one, a fact? Yes, that is a fact. The one who broke the news to Jacob about his son being alive was Sarah Bat Asher. Sarah, the daughter of Asher, she was a musician, or at least I think she played the harp. She played some music and she sang a song. She sang a poem uh, to her grandfather. This was her grandfather. Jacob was her grandfather. And she told him in a gentle fashion about Joseph being alive. And he was so happy and so um, grateful for how she told him the news so that he wouldn't have a heart attack or something. The way she told him the news that he blessed her with long life. And she lived all the way through the times of the Exodus. Hundreds of years later, she was alive. In fact, when they were looking, when Moses was looking for the coffin of Joseph to take out of Egypt, and he didn't know where to start looking, he just asked Sarah, who was there. He said, Sarah, or Bubby Sarah, as they probably called her, <laughs> Bubby, right? Uh, do you happen to know where Yosef's uh, um, remains are? And she said, yes. And she gave the info and that was it. She was blessed by her grandfather, Jacob, to, to have a long life. And she lived a very, very long life. Very special. All right. So now Joseph and Jacob are finally reunited. And Israel, that's Jacob. Israel, the father, said to Joseph, the son, I will die this time. Well, <laughs> that means I can die in peace. Since I, and I was finally, I can die. Not that he's looking to do that because he just got reunited with his son. He probably wants some time to spend together. But he's saying, at this point, I can die happy since I have seen your face that you were still alive. And of course, there's layers of meaning here, right? Again, he's not looking to leave, but he's saying that if I would have, if I would have passed away anytime during these 22 years, I would have died a wreck. I would have died a mess. I would have died, you know, heartbroken. I'm not heartbroken anymore. I'm grateful. I'm happy. I feel blessed. I've seen your face. You're still alive, not just physically, but also spiritually. Yosef, Joseph is Yosef Hatzadik. Joseph is the righteous one. Even in Egypt, even in, in, as the viceroy, even working as the CEO and the CFO and maybe the COO, of, uh, of Egypt, Inc. He was running all the finances, running all the money, controlling the agricultural stuff. Even in that position, he was still Joseph. Joseph at Sadek, he was still righteous. That's incredible. It's an incredible role model for anyone who's out there in the world. Yeah, for the guy studying in Kolel, uh, maybe Joseph is not the direct role model, but for the guy who's out there, the man or, or woman who's out in the business world, Living, you know, what we would call a normal life, living a, a typical life. The role model here is Joseph. And Jacob says to Joseph, I see your face. In other words, I see it's still you. You don't look like an Egyptian. You don't look like 
you know, a, a guy who's given it all up, you know, to follow his dreams. You're still Joseph. You're still alive. You're still not just biologically alive, but spiritually alive, Jewishly alive. You're still alive. Let's continue. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh. And I will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. Basically, Joseph is, is telling his brothers, FYI, I'm going to go report back to Pharaoh and tell him the family's here. The family has arrived. And I'm going to say further that the men are shepherds. Joseph is trying to protect. Listen to this. Joseph is trying to protect his family, his brothers. So I'm going to tell him, Pharaoh, that my brothers are shepherds. They were always owners of livestock and their flocks and their cattle, all that they have, they, they have brought. And they brought all their animals. So they were shepherds and they still plan on being shepherds. And he tells his brothers, if it comes to pass that Pharaoh calls you and asks, what is your occupation? If he fact checks, sorry, fact checks what I told him. And he says, what do you guys do for a living? Like, what do you guys do? What do you, what, what do, you do in Canaan? You shall say, your servants have been owners of livestock from our youth until now, both we and our, our, and, and our ancestors. Why all of this? Why all of this? Uh, wh why, is it, why is Joseph concerned that their stories be consistent? Guys, I'm going to tell Pharaoh that you're shepherds. When Pharaoh asks you what you do, you also say that you're shepherds. Why, why do we need to get this story straight? Listen to this last last line over here so that you may dwell in the land of goshen because all shepherds are abhorrent to the egyptians apparently shepherds were abhorrent to the egyptians i guess the sheep were a um one of the gods one of the deities one of the idols not idols but one of the deities that the egyptian egyptians worshiped was the sheep and shepherding sheep is to just treat them like a normal animal. And that was considered to be sacrilegious to the Egyptians. So Joseph says to his brothers, just tell Pharaoh you're, you're a shepherd. And he's going to say, all right, you guys stay far away. Distance is healthy in this case. Joseph knew who Pharaoh was. Pharaoh wasn't a tzaddik. Joseph was a tzaddik. Pharaoh was Pharaoh. And ultimately we see in the story that Pharaoh turns pretty rogue right later on or a different pharaoh whatever it is but he eventually enslaves as we know the jewish people so here joseph is trying to create a bit of a buffer don't get too close to pharaoh don't get too close to egypt you're in egypt but you can be a little bit a little bit removed just tell them that you're shepherds i'll tell them you're shepherds and they're going to leave you alone okay genesis chapter 47 joseph came and told pharaoh and he said, my father and my brothers and their flocks and their cattle and all that is theirs. They have come from the land of Goshen, from the land of Canaan. And behold, they are in the land of Goshen, i.e. I have settled them in the land of Goshen. So Joseph tells Pharaoh exactly what he told his brothers that he would. The family's here. They come with their animals and they are shepherds oh i'm sorry they are um he doesn't say that they're shepherds he just said that they came with their flocks and their cattle 
And he's put them in Goshen. Okay, let's continue. And from among his brothers, Joseph took five men. He took five of his brothers. And he presented them before Pharaoh. Five, according to Rashi, there's two, two commentaries on this. Two different opinions. One says that he took the five strongest sons. He took the, sorry, he took the five strongest brothers to, to demonstrate that the Jews are strong and don't mess. Some say he took the weakest of his brothers to illustrate the idea that they're not military material and don't, uh, don't, don't enlist them to build your pyramids, right? They're, they're the wrong people for the job. Either way, two different opinions, what actually happened, which five he took. It's again, subject to debate. The bottom line is he brought five brothers with him and he presented them before Pharaoh. By the way, him plus five is six, half of the 12 brothers, 12 brothers, 12 tribes, six of them now are meeting with Pharaoh. Pharaoh says to his brothers, what is your occupation? Exactly what Joseph told them that he would ask. What is your occupation? What do you guys do for a living? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds. They got it right. Both we and our forefathers. We've been doing this for years. We are generational shepherds. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land. We're here to stay. At least for a little bit. For your servants' flocks have no pasture. In other words, we, we're shepherds and we have all these animals. But our animals, we, we, we can't do our thing. Why? As you know, as we know, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. So we're out of a job. Right. Supply chain shortage, supply chain issues. There's no food for the animals. So we can't we can't shepherd um, uh, effectively. Now they say they ask uh, Pharaoh, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. They ask for permission. Joseph had already given them the land, but they're formally asking Pharaoh to sign off on it. And Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, your father and brothers have come to you. Wow. How beautiful that your family is here. The land of Egypt is fair. The land of Egypt is open before you. It's available, whatever you want, in the best of the land. Settle your father and your brothers. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. Land of Goshen was like, it's like the good place. And if you know that there are capable men among them, always an ask. This is why he's Pharaoh. And if you happen to know from your brothers, anyone who's uh, who's strong and capable, then make them livestock officers over what is mine. You know, appoint them to a position, you know, as the officers of the livestock. Uh, um, Pharaoh is always in for an ask. He's always in for something. It's like, oh, you have this thing. You know, how can I, how can I use you to my benefit? You know, I need some livestock officers. You know, who can we pull in on this? I meet you. I'm going to figure out how you can help me. That's Pharaoh. It's not necessarily a holy way of, 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 of interaction. A holy way of interaction is getting to know someone, honoring them for who they are, not making it about you, but this is Pharaoh we're talking about. And Joseph knew Pharaoh already for nine years. Ever since they got, he got out of the pit and interpreted the dreams, that was nine years ago, seven years of plenty and the two years of salmon, not salmon, famine. Salmon would be fine. Two years of famine so far. So he's known him for nine years. He knows that Pharaoh is always looking. He's a user. He's looking to use people. So he told his brothers, you're shepherds. He's not going to want to have anything to do with you. But even as shepherds, he says, oh, you know, I can point you maybe as officers over something or other with the animals. Okay. That is, um, that's that piece. Now let's talk about jo Jacob. 
So Joseph, after the encounter with five of his brothers, Joseph brought his father Jacob and stood him before Pharaoh. Epic. Pharaoh, Joseph, and now Jacob, all meeting together. And Jacob greeted Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of the years of your life? How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojournings are 130 years. The days of the years of my life have been, look at this, few and miserable. Jacob calls his life short and bitter. Not short and sweet. Short and bitter. And they have not reached the days of the years of the lives of my forefathers and the days of their sojournings. My father lived, his father lived to 180, uh, to, how old was, was Isaac when he passed? I think it was 175. So he's saying, I, I have yet to live to the lifespan of my parents, my father, and I've lived a difficult life. So Jacob, that was Jacob's response to Pharaoh. First says, you know, he's making small talk. How's, how old are you? And next thing you know, he's, he's unloading on Pharaoh about his life, about his sorrows, about his, you know, his, his challenges. All right, verse 10, so Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Even, I guess, if you're in not a great mood, you can still bless. Jacob blessed Pharaoh and left Pharaoh's presence. No, he didn't leave presence for Pharaoh. He left Pharaoh's presence, his, uh, his space. What was the, 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 the nature of this blessing? He blessed him that the years of famine should end. And indeed, so it was. That right, right at that time, the, the famine ended after two years instead of seven. And this tells us, once again, what I mentioned before a few days ago, I think I mentioned this, that a negative prophecy can be averted. A negative prophecy can be averted. A positive prophecy, please God, will happen. But a negative prophecy can be, can be averted. So seven years of famine ended up only being two with his blessing of Jacob. Let's toggle Rashi. Let's see what's going on over here. All right, the whole plan of Joseph to they tell his brothers, tell him, tell Pharaoh that you're a shepherd. Okay, why tell him that you're a shepherd? So that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, which you need because it's got a lot of land, for it is a land of pasture. It's like, you know, outside the city, you'll find land that has a lot of green farms and, and open spaces. They needed Goshen, they needed that land. And when you tell him that you are not skilled at any other work, Right, only thing you know to do is shepherd animals, but that's it. He will send you away from him and settle you there. It's like, sorry, Pharaoh, I have no idea how to build a pyramid, but I do know how to take care of sheep. Ah, get out of here, go to Goshen. Pharaoh has no use for you. Um, okay, who was brought? Which five brothers were brought and paraded before Pharaoh? Rashi says, from among his brothers, from though from the most inferior of them in regards to physical strength. So the weakest, most inferior vis-a-vis -vis strength means the weakest of the brothers, i.e. those who did not appear strong, for Pharaoh recognized them as being strong. For if Pharaoh recognized them as being strong, he would make them his warriors. If these brothers of Joseph would have come, you know, 
strong and scrappy. Next thing you know, Pharaoh's going to be like, all right, you're in my army. You're in my, you know, uh, whatever. You're going to build something for me. You're going to do something for me. He's, he's a user of people. So bring rather those that are not strong. And that's it. Which are the five? Rashi lists. They are the following. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yisachar, and Binyamin. Now, I got to tell you, Shimon and Levi, these two, they destroyed the whole city of Shechem. They were not weak, but they looked, they, they didn't look strong, right? right. Um, Joseph brought, according to this interpretation, those who did not appear strong, appear, the, the key word. Were Shimon and Levi strong? They were mighty. They were strong beyond measure, but they made, it seems like they didn't look strong. All right, let's continue. Um these were those whose names Moses did not double when he blessed them. Indicating that they were not strong. But the names of the strong ones he doubled as follows. And this is for Judah. Hear a Lord, the voice of Judah. So when it comes to Judah's blessing, he repeats, uh, this is for Judah. Hear the voice of Judah. And regarding God, it says, blessed be he who granted space to God and Naphtali, oh, which... Yeah. And regarding God, he said, God, this is this this whole thing is the quote from the verse. So God, God, twice. And regarding Naphtali, he said, Naphtali's wishes shall be well satisfied. Naphtali's wishes shall be satisfied is again Niftali. Naphtali's wishes shall be Niftali. And regarding Don, it says Don is a young lion. Oh, Don, Don, twice. And so on for Zvulan and for Asher. This is a quotation from Genesis Rabbah, the Medrash, which is the Agadah Israel, um, which is the Israeli Medrash. In our Babylonian Talmud, however, we find that those whose names Moses double were the weak ones, and it was they whom he brought before Pharaoh. The ones who were doubled were the weak ones. That's why he doubled the blessings to give them extra strength. Um, and that's the ones that he brought before Pharaoh. As for Judah, the sixth one, whose name was doubled, however, it was not doubled because of weakness. But there is another reason for it, as stated in Baba Kama 92a, the bright of Sifri, Zot Habracha, we learn in the Talmud. Um, there it identifies the five brothers, as does the Talmud, namely the five brothers were God, Naphtali, Don, Zavulon, and Asher. So like I said, at, at kind of a few minutes, a few minutes before, with regard to when we read this inside, there are different opinions as to who the five tribes were, but it seems consistent, and, and I, I'm going to modify what I said before, it seems consistent that Joseph specifically brought them, not the strong ones, the weak ones. Which ones were weak? Debate. But but he brought them the weak ones so that he, so that he wouldn't get any, any ideas about drafting them into his army. Um, were they all Sadiqim? Or was Yosef the only Sadiq? So we understand that they were all righteous. Now, the question is, how righteous could they be if they sold their brother literally into slavery? Nonetheless, we, we refer to them all as righteous. Yeah, they were all Sadiqim on some level. We only call Yosef HaTzadik the Tzadik because he was the one that maintained the righteousness while living such a wildly successful materialistically life. He, he lived like like super real, like he, he lived life and, and he was still righteous. The others were righteous, but they were just tending to sheep all day. Not, I don't mean to minimize. I'm just saying you can't, you, you can't compare the temptation 
you know, when it, whether it's financial impropriety or other types of impropriety, when you're out there in the world wheeling and dealing, um, as opposed to when you're kind of on your own and doing your thing. There are other challenges, certainly, but it's a different, it's a different type of challenge when you're a shepherd. And thus, they are not called tzaddikim in the conventional sense, because a tzaddik is not just someone who's righteous in a bubble, if you will, but someone who's righteous, even in a complicated place. And that's where Joseph comes in. But were they all righteous? Yes. Did they face the same challenges that Joseph faced? No. No. So that's kind of like how we split that difference. Um, so Pharaoh Rabbi? said... Yes. Rabbi? Also, I mean, it's a notable difference between Jacob and Joseph, the, the way they talk about their life, right? Because Joseph is always positive yeah yeah god sent me here it's a mission and jacob's like oh man my life has been difficult right it could be a moment look it doesn't mean that that was jacob's entire perspective but at least in this moment in his dialogue with uh with pharaoh that's what he says and the torah deems it important enough for god deems it important enough for us to, to learn about it so many years later so clearly there is um there is some sort of message here which we're going to get into rashi's in a second so Pharaoh immediately wants the brothers. He says, you know, let me know. Let me know if uh, there's some capable men. You, the brothers you brought me look scrawny, but let me know if there are some capable men among your brothers, and then I'll make them livestock officers over what's mine, which means over my flocks. Hey, Pharaoh's looking to get people. He's looking to enlist people in, into his stuff. Okay. Jacob greeted Pharaoh, so Rashi says, this is a greeting as customary for all who occasionally present themselves before monarchs, Saladur in Old French, which I'm assuming is related to salute, salud, saludar, salute, which is greet. Next is verse number nine for Rashi. Jacob says to Pharaoh, says, how old are you? If Jacob takes the opportunity to vent a little bit. He says, the years of my sojournings, what, what sojournings? Why, why does he say that? So Rashi explains, it's the days of my being a stranger. All my days I've been a stranger in the land. I've never been fully settled. From 17 years, not 17, sorry. Jacob, from a younger age, was sent away from his house after his brother wanted to kill him. He's by Lavan. He's, he lives a little bit, but then he's, he just he, he moves around a lot. He's a bit nomadic. He doesn't feel at home. Um, he, they have not reached my, my parents, or my forefather's life in goodness, Rashi says. He believed that he was unworthy of uh, the same righteousness as his uh, ancestors. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. What was the blessing? According to the custom of all those who leave the presence of the princes, they blessed them that they bless them and then and, and take their leave. So 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 J so Jacob was doing what everyone did, which is when you encounter royalty, you give a blessing and then you go. Now, what blessing did he bless him? The blessing was that the Nile River should rise at his approach. Should rise when when Pharaoh steps to the Nile, the water should actually rise up to him. He shouldn't have to bend down to get a drink. It should come up to him like a water fountain. Because Egypt does not drink rainwater, but the Nile rises and waters it. And since Jacob's blessing, from that moment on, Pharaoh would come to the Nile and it would rise to greet him and then water the land. So Pharaoh pulled off this amazing magic trick where he was able to walk over to the Nile River and then the water would flow up and it would overflow its banks and irrigate the land. 
all because of Pharaoh. You see why Pharaoh eventually got, got to his head. But where does it really come from? Who gave him that power? It was Jacob's blessing. And that effectively ended the famine. The moment Egypt is irrigated by this Nile River, miraculously, famine's over. Famine's over. All right, so what's the moral of the story? What do we explore today? We'll wrap it up. A fairly quick session. So we learned today. I'm just going to scroll back to the beginning and go through a few points. Number one, the idea of kibar av, honoring one's parents, honoring one's father or parents, plural. So Joseph himself harnessed his own chariot. Joseph certainly had many assistants and many you know, servants or whatever it was that could do his bidding, but he himself harnessed his chariot to meet his parents. Or sorry, to meet his father, to greet his father. What's, what, why? What's the significance? When you're doing something special, you do it yourself. You don't delegate something special, right? You're meeting, you're honoring your, your father or your mother and or your mother. You do it in the best way. You don't delegate. You don't delegate. Um, the other th interesting thing we learned about was the Egyptian perspective on cattle, livestock, um, shepherding, that whole occupation. Pharaoh is a user, not a respecter. You tell Pharaoh what you do, and immediately his first thought is, okay, what can you do for me? Let's not be like that. Let's not look at people as, uh, as something to use and gain from. Let's honor people as they are for who they are. Um, it's, good to it's good to look weak sometimes because then you won't be uh, appointed to Pharaoh's army. And finally... Finally, the idea of the blessing of Jacob to Pharaoh, the idea that the Nile should rise and, and, and irrigate. And the message for us is a very in a similar vein, that whatever we encounter should be elevated. Just like the Nile rises to Pharaoh, again, using a little bit of a loose, uh, loose interpretation here, would be that whatever we touch, we should seek to elevate. We should never be satisfied with which with encountering something the way it is and, and not seeking to elevate if we encounter a person let's lift their spirits if we encounter something mundane and physical let's let's utilize it for a higher purpose in this way we raise the nile right so today's hashtag is raise the nile lift up the material lift up the physical to a higher stature and with this the blessings will flow all right questions or comments before we close it out the, the yeshiva establishing a house of yes. study before we oh my gosh. yes thank you thank you that was like the first point yes thank you for mentioning that for the recap is how central and perfect because we'll end with this how central jewish study torah study is for judaism and for the jewish people and really for the world how critical critical jewish study is before anything else first thing he does he doesn't, uh, you know, he's not concerned about the houses, about the plumbing, about the electricity. Obviously, there was none. But he's not concerned about all those details. First thing he's concerned about is that there be a yeshiva. And that's what kept the Jewish people going all those hundreds of years of exile. In Egypt, there was always a yeshiva. Till, till this very day, we are here as a people because of the Torah. The Rebbe writes a letter, um, famous letter where he scientifically using the scientific method goes through factors that could have led to the eternality of the Jewish people, Jewish survival throughout the ages. What, what has led to our survival? Is it the food? No, the food changed. Is it the language? The language changed. Is it the way of dress? Styles change. Yeah, everything you can come up with 
changes. So that, that can't be the one thread that runs through it. What's the one constant that, that keeps us together? It's the Torah. And so it's important to study Torah, to teach Torah. It's important to teach others the Torah that you studied and to indulge in it. So that's what we do here every single day, Monday through Friday at 12, uh, 12 noon. And that is what we do at Intern Jewish Academy. That's what's done elsewhere, certainly. But it's very special that we're part of this yeshiva. We're part of this experience of studying Torah, which keeps us centered, keeps us together, and really keeps the whole world um, in a solid space. Tonight, 7 p.m., join us to browse and purchase great Torah books for your Judaic library. Today is the 5th of Tevet, just very briefly. It's the day that in the late 1980s, the Rebbe's library was returned officially after the library had been misappropriated by a family member, by a relative of the Rebbe. The, the, the library, the, 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 the New York State Court or Appeals Court, or one of the higher courts of New York State, New York, ruled that indeed the, the, the library belonged to the Rebbe and to Chassidim, to all of us. And um, it's a day that became in Chabad circles and beyond a day celebrating books and a day to build your library. So if you're joining us tonight, perfect opportunity to pick up a, a new Jewish book. We have exceptional titles all on sale, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that all on sale up to 40% off. We got a good deal um, from the publishers. And if you're not able to join in person, make sure to purchase somewhere, go online, go to the Kahat website, which is where we got a lot of the books from kahat.com. You can go to Amazon, you can go anywhere, but make sure it's a not just a loosely related Jewish book, make sure a Jewish book of Jewish study, a book of Jewish study. That's what I mean by a Jewish book. So with that, we'll celebrate the fifth day of Tevet, the day of celebrating books. And with that, we will keep ourselves centered and our people together as we are the people of the book, the people of Torah, the people who have a yeshiva before anything else in Egypt. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Amen. Awesome. 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 Donna, glad you yes. could catch it on the run. Good yes. luck. Good luck with your, uh, with your program tonight. Um, you. Any other questions, comments before we close out? Questions, comments. Good. Okay. All right, everybody. It's great to see you. Catch you tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to do reading seven, close out the portion, and also do the Haftorah as well. Haftorah tomorrow, let's see quickly, is from the book of Ezekiel. Very, very cool. Thank you. Nice. All right. Good, good, good. Thank we'll you, Take Thank care. You, Have a Rabbi. Day. You too, Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi.